You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12 football from a human perspective with me and Cookie Monster perspective or David Woods or whatever that was. I'm not sure. That was, like, uh, that was like if Jesse Ventura had a child with the Cookie Monster. With the Cookie Monster. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Jesse Ventura was on an episode of Sesame Street. Hang on. He probably was. Uh, well, anyway, we want to hear from you guys. We've got a lot of questions this week, so thank you for all the emails. The emails packed to a podcast at gmail.com. You can also call or text us. We're in studio, which... We are not, again, my apologies, but 424-532-0678. If you want to leave us a text, that's easy to do. The voicemail is a little harder. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back in studio next week. And then if you want to tweet at us, at Podcasts, that means we'll get the videos and stuff rolling again. Because you guys missed seeing our faces as we record this podcast, where I'd be talking and David's just not paying attention, checking his phone, whatever he's doing. Um, our website, but understand, understand that's still happening. Okay. I want right. I want everyone out there to understand. It. Yeah, you just can't see it. Just assume it's happening. Yeah. Uh yeah. Website is packedwellpodcast.com where we put all of our picks up. We put our power rankings. We put the link to the survival pool if you want to get that, if you missed that. And of course, uh you can play all of our old episodes because who wouldn't want to go back and listen to uh, a show about week one in the Pac twelve in twenty twenty two? Just you know, you get a recap of what happened in week one if you forgot <laughs> from five weeks ago. <laughs> oh boy oh boy um I think it yeah i think it happens i think people yeah. listen to uh you know actually when i look at the megaphone when i look at our like past numbers some of you sickos out there actually are listening to this show right now five months from now it's kind of crazy yeah um people yeah you think it's like oh this is the show with the, the latest release nope there are people listening to Old shows too, but we appreciate all that. And, uh, you know, what we do appreciate the most of anything, of course, Apple Podcasting app. Get on there. Follow us. Follow the podcast of champions. Give us that five-star rating and any kind of review you want. You can say whatever you want about David's beard or me being a USC homer or whatever you want to say. Just put it in there. Leave us the five stars. Trash talk us. We love it. Do we get any new ones, Dave? We do have some new reviews, nice. baby. This is from Nicola JH, five-star review. Clicky, just a couple of dirty sluts talking Pac-12 football the way you like it, you naughty boy. Mm. Love it. That's that's uh, it's like a risque. That's like a PG-13 yeah. review. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, this is from <laughs> Brigley Wiggly, five-star review. 
Big Penix Energy. Come for the insight, stay for the commitment to comedy bits over analysis. Even Oregon head coach Lan Danning is a devout listener, and David has a deboner for DeBoer and his Big Penix star power. Love it. Nice. And then a five-star from Turtles Are Nice. Free underwear brought to you by Colorado. If you are looking for free underwear for facing Colorado all for fading Colorado all season long, this is the podcast for you. Thanks, Ricky and Devin. Love it. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate that. And uh, speaking of fading, no, 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 no. Oh, thanks, got- Ricky and Devin. You're Ricky and I'm Devin. Oh, it was okay. not thanks, comma, Ricky and Devin. It was thanks, Ricky and Devin. Nice. I don't think we've heard Ricky and Devin before. No, that's a new one. I like that. Yeah, that's like way far off from the names. Like sometimes you try to make it close. That was not. That was not close. We like. No. Uh, Real quick before we get into everything, you're talking about fade in Colorado. Man, my picks were like after a few weeks of really good picks. uh, The only picks I got right. Stanford, Colorado, like basically picking against the teams, you know, are terrible. I got those right. Those shouldn't even count, but they do count for money, which is great. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I went two and four after, you know, really being above 500 for a while. We're still both uh, well above 500, but Dave went three and three. So we are now tied again, 26-19-1 against the spread. So well, certainly good. certainly the game we picked different. It was like a, it teetered on a knife's edge, right? Like it was very close to going your way, right? Super close. Super, super, super Like close. It, it finished within uh, at least – I mean it must have been at least a score of the spread, right? <laughs> Depends what score, what game you're playing, what you, how you count those scores. Um, yes. Two scores? Was it two my, scores? My beeves did not come through. Uh, oh, oh, it was, it was, it was four scores. <laughs> it won by four scores, so that means that the, okay, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Sixteen it points. Beat the spread by sixteen points. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, I love how you keep tweeting about how Colorado's staying like within one score of the spread. <laughs> <laughs> They're zero and five against the number. Um, but yeah, so my picks didn't do that well this week. So I got to bounce back this week. We got five games in the Pac-12. You can and do it no all. Colorado, no Colorado, no Colorado. So that's not the free money this week. Uh, but you got to get over to my bookie uh, where I'm doing the bets, having so much fun betting, going against David every week, whatever we got to do. But go over to my bookie, uh, use the promo code PAC12 and you can double your deposit up to a thousand bucks. So that's free money right there. Put it in there. And then every week that Colorado and Stanford plays, that's free money. So you get a little extra bonus free money if you're betting in the Pac-12. And you can bet the NFL, anything you want to do. A uh, lot of options over there at my bookie. I'm still watching this ASU under six and a half win total. So hopefully I can cash that pretty soon. We'll see where that goes. But go over to my bookie for sure. Mybookie.ag. Pac-12 is our promo code. So when you do your initial deposit, put in that promo code Pac-12, and they will match your deposit up to a thousand bucks. So Put 100 bucks in there, you got 200 bucks to play with. And then a lot of that can be free money if you put most of it on Colorado and uh, Stanford. No Colorado this week. Um, so, you know, maybe just maybe uh, double down on Stanford. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, uh, we'll see what you guys do this week. But um, hopefully, hopefully I can bounce back because only getting Colorado and Stanford right. That's like that's like just not that's like I didn't get anything right. Yeah. And this is going to be the first week where the survival pool might actually be a challenge. Oh, yeah. So the survival pool um, is, let's see. So I was eliminated week three, as we talked about before, picking Arizona State. Dave took Arizona, who won. So Dave advances. There were 85 entries this week, 83 winners. So everyone picked. So that's nice. Um, The two losers, someone picked Cal and someone picked 
Washington against your Bruins, Dave. Um, so our, our buddy Matt says it's getting a little harder this week. Nobody is has a favorite. Uh, the point spread's not over 12 and a half for any of the games. And only three of them are over a touchdown. So with Washington, Oregon, they're on the road. And you really want to pick like a USC over Washington State. So Matt had some commentary in there. He's also eliminated. But uh, so I, I don't know. What, do you know who you're going to pick, David? I think I'm going Oregon. And I don't feel great about it. But I don't. Uh, we'll get into our analysis of that game. I don't like Arizona's matchup against that running attack. So I'm, I'm going to go Oregon. But I don't know if they cover. I think that's just my uh, my winner. Yeah. Uh, and we, actually, the spreads have moved up a little bit more since the, when Matthew wrote this earlier in the week. But yeah, so you have a, you know, three of the spreads are 13 or 14 points. So there's some big spreads. But like you said, uh, you're a road favorite uh, in those instances. The only USC is a a big home favorite. So yeah, and then you want to pick that. So yeah, uh, but yeah, so get your picks in. Uh, the links are up on Pac12Podcast.com. So. Check all that stuff out. We also have, I need the sound bite, David, uh, some breaking news. Breaking news. I don't know what that was. <laughs> that was not what we do for breaking news, but I work, that works. Maybe we should, uh, that'll be the new drop. Yeah, Maybe good, good, good. David saying that with a, an airplane flying overhead. Breaking <laughs> news and some some wee or whatever you said at the end. Uh, <laughs> remember last, so was it two weeks ago when we led the breaking news with everyone thought it was going to be because Herm Edwards was fired. And I said, no, Carl Durrell was retained. We can no longer say that he is now fired. Happy trails, Carl. Um, oh my God. I loved your retweet of your, as soon as he was hired <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry, buff fans. Like, and sometimes people get on us. They're like, Oh, you know, hindsight's 2020. Like, there were so many things like I, I'm convinced I could be a good athletic director. Like so many choices that just you see get made. and You're like, that's terrible. You knew so, it as soon as it happened and you were 100 percent right. And it just <laughs> takes two years to go through this. And now you have like this eight point seven million dollar buyout Colorado has to pay because they just made a horrible, 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 horrible. horrible again, thing. I want I want everyone to recontextualize their understanding of mid aughts UCLA um, looking at what Carl Durrell just did to our beloved buffs. Because mid aughts UCLA, Carl Durrell went 35 and 27 with a 10 and 2 year in there. And think about what you just witnessed. Like, think about it. And he has maybe gotten a little bit better as a coach since then. Okay? That's how much talent UCLA had. And they just squandered it. Um, anyway, I'm contextualizing it with UCLA. My point here is Carl Durrell didn't last full, two full uh, competitive football seasons, he only lasted 23 games. At Colorado, um, it was so obvious to everyone that they were willing to pay, I think, almost nine million dollars of buyout, not even midway through the third year to get this thing done, um, because Colorado right now, I was going through some stuff this morning. Um, so right now, uh, a lot of college football team they do projected uh, records. The most likely scenario for Colorado right now is 0 and 12. Um, they would have wow. to get lucky to go one and 11. Um, does it, does it take a little of the shine off it? If Carl Durrell's not, you know, well, this is my thing is like, I wanted it to be Carl. I thought he should own that. <laughs> I thought he deserved this third year to really, you know, get that brass ring. And I, I think we got a Colorado fan last week who emailed us and asked us, well, should we root for wins now? 
you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I think this next week, I mean, obviously they've got to buy to lick their wounds right now, but the week after that, you know, they've got a chance at, a, it's one of their two chances at an actual win. So yeah, root for your buffs, you know, root for the kids who are hopefully going to feel a little bit better, uh, feel like, you know, they've got some administration behind them and, um, see if they get a win. And if they don't go right back to rooting for 0 and 12. Yeah. Um, you might there might be some opportunities here. Like this might be the Colorado spreads get a little bigger than they should be. You get a little bump from the interim head coach, Mike Sanford, which, you know, the guy that was fired from Minnesota last year, he's now the head coach of Colorado. Like this just it's just hard to kind of picture all this happening. But sometimes kids rally around, you know, new leadership and uh maybe they they beat some spreads. I don't know if they're gonna win some games, but maybe they start covering some spreads and uh so Cal, Cal right now, uh, so same team rankings.com, just a very simple, simple algorithm. Uh, they have Cal, Colorado having an 18% chance of winning that game and a 20% chance of beating ASU at home two weeks later. So if you're circling some games, those are the two to watch. Um, and those are the two games where Colorado probably won't be like a, I don't know, more than a 14 point dog. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so Buff fans, I'm sorry you had to kind of go through this. Uh, David told you right when the hire happened. I'm so sorry. Like, it's, yeah. it's such a bummer. Um, it didn't need to happen. Honestly, like, I, I feel like almost Darrell was, like, just kind of an innocent bystander here. Nobody should have hired him as their head coach. Like, uh, real mistakes were made. Um, Rick George, this, this, he should not be afforded the opportunity to hire a new head coach. Making that sort of choice, even in the circumstances they were in, like there had to have been some coordinator somewhere that you could have hired instead. Um, it's better to take ch- take a chance on an unknown than to hire a known failure. Yeah, well, what I don't remember what Carl Durrell was doing. I assume he was like the head coach of some college program <laughs> when Colorado hired. Him. I, I believe he was the wide receivers coach for like the Dolphins or something or the Texans. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's like he can only get hired as a head coach once he has fallen deeply into position coach NFL obscurity. Yeah, well, like, I mean, I guess when UCLA hired him, he had a better job prior, right? Like, it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was wide receivers coach of the Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, he can just go to Maui now and just relax. Uh, No, and he should. Like, Carl, you don't need to do this anymore. It doesn't seem like you enjoy it that much, frankly. So. Get out of the public eye. Go. Uh, you've got like quite a bit of money, I would assume, now from buyouts and the contracts over the years. He seems like a fiscally responsible fellow. I'm sure he's got 15 million dollars in the bank. Go buy a small island. Go uh, just live out the rest of your days on a beach. Do whatever you want to do. Just you don't need to coach football. You don't need to. You don't need to touch anyone else's football teams. You've touched. You've touched three college football teams now in a very significant way, in a in a in a an egregious way, and it doesn't need to happen anymore. You know what we need? Um, I want some. You know, we have some smart listeners that have some, you know, free time on their hands just because they're listening to the show. You know, they got some free time. But I would say, go back Pac-12 Media Day. I want to get some sound bites. What sound bites of Herm? I want sound bites of Carl. The optimism, what they're talking, like the plan for the season, why the things are going to go well, and then playing some like a, a line from Herm, and then 
a line from like the loss to Eastern Michigan or whatever, you know, something like that. Like a, what the announcer saying something like, oh, my God, you know, whatever. I want to go back and forth with that just so you can see just a few weeks ago. Here's how optimistic these guys were about their team. And they were both complete and utter failures and dumpster fires like we all thought they were going to be. Right. Yeah. I think that'd be great. It'd be fun. Uh, OK, so we're going to recap uh, all of the games from week five and we're going to do reverse order because <clears throat> that's what we do here on the, the POC. Um Let's start with our number 12 team. The Colorado Buffaloes. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't cover again, but they were much closer. Uh, they finished, depending on what spread you got, they finished either within five or six points of the spread, uh, which I think is a step forward for Colorado. Um, wait, you didn't do Arizona. Oh, I'm sorry. We forgot to do that. Yeah. Um, and our number nine team. The Arizona Wildcats. Nice. Um, so anyway, Arizona beat them forty-three to twenty. Um, it was a it was a real um, ass kicking. Uh, kind of disguised a little bit by the final score. Um, but Arizona basically, whenever they wanted to, they could throw on this defense. Uh, Jaden Delora <clears throat> was thirty-three of forty-six for almost five hundred yards passing and six touchdowns. And as far as I know, Arizona does not run the air raid. Um, they do not, no. They do not. So almost, you know, 10 and a half yards of throw, six touchdowns. Um, and you might say, oh, okay, well, they were just throwing it all over them because they couldn't run the ball. No, no, that's not right either. They they averaged 5.2 yards per carry. Michael Wiley got whatever he wanted. DJ Williams, Jonah Coleman, Jaden Delora. They were all over 4.8 yards per carry. Um, basically, they took a knee at one point, which brought the average down. But, uh, they, yeah, they ran the ball over Colorado. Uh, Colorado's defense is by far the worst part of that team, which is kind of a shocking thing to say. I thought it would um, be the other side, the other side of the ball. But, man, yeah. the defense is bad. Yeah, and uh, that, that secondary is horrible. Their pass rush is horrible. Um, just a horrible team. Um, I would say offensively, you know, if you want to look for bright spots as a Colorado fan, and I think you should because God knows you need them, Owen McCown, Anthony Hankerson, you know, uh, you got something there. Um, it's not great right now, but you've got something. Um, they were able to generate some points and, uh, yeah, it came against Arizona's run defense. Um, and Arizona's run defense did allow five yards of carry. Uh, but it's something. And, um, yeah, I, I just, it's so, um, what's the word? Uh, inevitable that Colorado is going to lose basically every game and to the spread. This one, at least, they were somewhat competitive, you know, against the spread. Again, not against Arizona. You sweated a little, yeah. Yeah, I sweated it a little bit. Um, I thought, you know, Arizona was not quite as efficient as it needed to be in scoring. Um, There was a turnover on downs. Um, They missed a field goal. You know, these were disappointing events for me as somebody who had had the spread, who had uh, the spread beating Colorado. So, um, but anyway, uh, Colorado. Very bad season, but at least you got to fire a coach. Uh, I know you love nepotism and coaching, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yes, very Brennan, much. So. Brendan Carroll being the offensive coordinator at Arizona. Well, I know you didn't like some of the scoring, but 673 total yards, man. Are you kidding? That's the fifth most in a single game in Arizona school history. That's how bad Colorado's defense was. Um, it's the first time Arizona's had two different games 
with two receivers going over 100 yards. So they got some some action going in the passing game. Uh, you know, Colorado, third time in a row they've allowed at least 500 yards. And this is the most yards they allowed in a single game since back in uh, 2013, where they allowed 755 to Oregon, who was number two at the time. But, um, yeah, this is this is a horrible performance by Colorado's defense. They fired uh, not only Carl Durrell, but um, the defensive coordinator as well, Chris Wilson. And you have Mike Sanford now, <laughs> the guy that was fired from Minnesota last year. I, I I'm trying to find some optimism. I don't know where it's going to be. Maybe you get some emotional bump in that locker room. But this is basically going to be trying to not go 0-12. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. So that's the only thing you're going to be focused on is your color. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, Jesus. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Try not to go 0-12. I'm allergic to uh, firing Carl Durrell. I just wanted <laughs> to see him around for a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, and, you know, nice nice win for Arizona. you got to take care of business against the bottom, you know, the seller dwellers of the Pac-12. And there's two or three of them for sure this year. So uh, if you're Arizona, man, you get those wins wherever you can and try to become bowl eligible. And they're, they're on their way. So, um, all right, let's go to our number 11 team. The Stanford Cardinal. And they were on the road taking on our number four team. The Oregon Ducks. Quack, 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 quack. Um, really deceptive final score. Really, really deceptive. Uh, Oregon beat that ass. Like they beat that ass hard. Uh, this was 31 to three at halftime. Finished 45-27. Stanford once again putting lipstick on the pig in the second half. They're um, really good at that. Like they're really, really good at, at really good it at it. We're gonna get blown out, but we're gonna try to make it look at the end like we weren't blown out that badly. Like yeah, they got their ass beat hard. Uh, Oregon ran. Dude, get this number. 37 times for 351 yards and four touchdowns. Bo Nix, Bo Nix ran six carries for 141 yards, including an 80-yard touchdown. Um, just absolutely stunning blowout. Uh, Stanford, horrible. That slow mesh offense is horrible. They are still running it. It's awful. <laughs> Tanner McKee has taken 16 sacks in the last three games. So basically, take Colgate out. In the three games they've been running this shitty offense, this dumb slow mesh, he's taken 16 sacks. I, I don't think it's a he's shitty offense. He's not going to survive the season. Like, no. he's going to get hurt because they're running a terrible, shitty offense. I don't. Okay, so I don't think it's a shitty offense, but I don't think, it, no, no, I think it's, it's a— No, no, it's an absolutely shitty offense for what they have. For, it was yeah, not, for what they're doing, it's sort of like, okay, you, you go into a, a fancy restaurant and there's like— uh, Whatever, like a, if it's like a creme brulee or something, you're like it's a great dessert. But if you've never made it before and you go in there and you're like, I try to make it. And I don't know what I'm doing. I just like I don't even have a recipe. And I was like, oh, I, I watched the guy. I, I saw it at the restaurant. I'm going to try to make it myself. And it comes out shitty. It's not a shitty dessert. I just made it. shitty. I think you could run this. It would be great. I, I think it could work for Stanford. But you would have to have like someone from Wake Forest staff. on. You know, this would take like. I think years to kind of like incorporate into your offense. Like, I think it's a good it's offense. A, whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's horrible for what Stanford is doing right now. Yeah. They can't block for it. Their offensive line isn't good enough to block for it. So if you can't block for it, you're just going to get your quarterback hit over and over and over and over again. And it's now happened against 
all three of the actual Power Five opponents they played. Washington sacked them eight times, USC sacked them five times, and Oregon sacked them three times. Maybe it gets better when the competition gets a little bit worse than that, you know, because that's three ranked teams. But I think anybody who has a good defensive end and a reasonable ability to, like, beat guys one-on-one if you give them four seconds to do so uh, is going to sack him really hard. He's going to get hurt. Anyway, Stanford's horrible. Uh, Horrible team to watch. If Colorado was not in this league, Stanford would be bottom and uh, nobody close. Uh, They're awful. Um, Oregon's really good. I I think Oregon, you know, we probably have to get over our uh, the the loss to Georgia at the beginning of the year because they're looking like uh, they look legit. Yeah, they're looking like murderers again. Um, So we'll see the talent showing through. And uh, I'm glad that you kept me on my Stanford is butt line. You know, I was I was wavering a little. It looked like, hey, man, maybe maybe they have a little a little something. Maybe Stanford does have a little something this year. Nope, our instincts were correct. They don't. Uh, they're terrible. What, what's Stanford going to do? Like, what, you know, with David Shaw, I, I don't I, know. I, I've given up on predicting that place. It's so weird. Uh, it's like they 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 simply don't care enough to make a change. Um, but this has been dead in the water for three years now. Um, so if there was ever a change to be made, this is the one even more than Colorado. Even more than ASU, this is the one that should have been made because Stanford's been dead. This this program flatlined three years ago, but nobody is acknowledging the corpse. It's just sitting there rotting. Uh, it's like weekend at Bernie's. It's just yeah, like rats are <laughs> feasting on this thing, and we're just like, oh yeah, let's see if Stanford can win a football game uh, against something other than a toothpaste. But if you're David Shaw and you get to do your NFL Network gig when it's the draft time and stuff like. Are they going to want to keep bringing them back where you're like, hey, you got you guys went one and 11 this year. Would you uh, last year? You were three and nine. Like, I mean, he's good on TV, but like at some point you just have to say this isn't working for me. You know, like, well, I mean, like, let's just look at the schedule. All right. So this weekend, um, probably one of their more winnable games left uh, against Oregon State at home. Um, they're still seven point dogs uh, yeah. at Notre Dame. They're going to get their asses just beat to hell. Uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, ASU at home, again, probably one of their more winnable games left. Um, and I think that one will probably be like a pick em. Uh At UCLA, uh, they're going to get, I mean, Tanner McKee is going to take eight sacks again in that game. Right. Uh, Washington State at home, uh, decent defense. Tanner McKee is going to get sacked five times. Uh, at Utah, gonna just get beat to hell. At Cal, uh, again, Cal's got a decent defense. They're going to sack Tanner McKee ten times. Uh, and then BYU at home. There's like two winnable games left on the schedule for them. Yeah, which is another three and nine if you pull those off. Yeah, no, this this team is dead in the water. Program's been dead. Uh, they got the dead cap bounce uh, the COVID year, but actually qualitatively that team was worse than the year before. Um, they're, I, I do not understand what's going on there, but uh, Stanford used to have more. It's so weird. Because it's this like cognitive dissonance. Stanford, before the Harbaugh era, had more expectations than what they are currently showing with the David Shaw era. And you would have thought the David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh era would have raised expectations. But it's bizarre what's happening up there. It's it's completely bizarre. Uh, but for Oregon, you mentioned this is a four straight game with 40 more 40 or more points. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, they did they did like five straight in like 2015 started 2016 but you know they they got it rolling again after the 
uh, Georgia game for Stanford. Uh, they've lost nine straight conference games. The longest losing streak uh, since losing nine straight from back in 2002, 2003. So that could continue. Um, I don't know what, what the Cardinals are going to do. Oregon, you know, just kind of like you want to try to keep rolling. It's good to see like a Stanford or a Colorado on your schedule. And I don't know, maybe the, I mean, it's going to be intriguing to see who makes the Pac-12 championship game for sure. We don't have divisions anymore. But I think it's going to be more intriguing to see who finishes 12th, you know, because Colorado, they are they are locked in. But Stanford is is really trying to, like, break break through. Stanford's got a decent chance to also go 0-9. It's not as good as Colorado. Like, Colorado is almost a mortal lock for me. Stanford does still get ASU. And ASU is, as we'll talk about in just a second, also trash. Um, right. That'll be a in, trash off. In a normal year, Arizona State's our clear number 12 team, and they can't even sniff the bottom. They're, well, and this is know. just so weird. The weird thing about the Pac-12 this year is I think it's qualitatively better than last year, but there are three teams in this league this year that are worse than the worst team last year. Like three right. teams that I would – that if you gave me them against Arizona's 1-11 team last year, I'm taking Arizona. Yep, 100%. Crazy. Well, let's go – you mentioned that team. Our number 10 team – the Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and they're taking on our number two team. The USC Trojans. Shing. Um, Yeah, I mean, this one. So it was sort of weird um, because ASU was within four at halftime. And uh, USC never really even threatened to cover in this game. Uh, the spread was kind of outlandish. It was 25 points. We both took USC because we knew... ASU is bad, and I still think ASU is bad. I think they were bad in this game. Uh, it just was kind of, eh, you know, kind of a weird game. Um, ASU scored, which was weird to watch, and I think it made USC kind of disconcerted. And then they were like, oh, maybe we should punt. Um, and, you know, it's just, you know, it's scary when ASU is doing things that you don't expect. Uh, but there's no real reason this game was close. I mean, USC ran the ball really well. Caleb Williams was really good in this game. Emory Jones wasn't, and ASU's run game really wasn't very good. Uh, it finished probably closer to what it should have been, 42-25, 17-point win. Um, but it was deceptively close at halftime. No real reason for it, but deceptively close. Yeah, and I thought Arizona State came out, and they, you know, sometimes you get a bump when you do, you know, you fire the head coach right away. I think week two, the first half of this game, they looked like they were a determined team, and they they did a really good job running the football on the edges and got a lot of chunk plays, and that's why it was a a close game. USC got back to scoring touchdowns on their first three drives, and so I didn't at halftime. People were looking at me like, "Hey, it's a close game." I'm like, USC started off scoring touchdowns again, like they're they're going to be fine, and that I think USC defense got more aggressive, and then Arizona State didn't do much. They could have covered a few different ways. They were like. Uh, we saw the first turnover from USC all season. Uh, Caleb Williams threw an ill-advised pass into the end zone. So, you know, there was a touchdown that you take off the board. Uh, they had an 82-yard touchdown bomb. Caleb Williams, Demario Williams, wiped off because of a holding penalty. Um, and then Arizona State scored like a, a fourth-quarter touchdown. It was really weird. USC had two interceptions in their hands, one of them which bounced up in the air, and the Arizona State receiver's lying on the ground, lying on his back. And the ball lands onto his chest, and he catches it, and they convert on the third down. And then there were two pass interference calls that were they were pretty bad. But there was pass interference calls that were bad on both sides. So they, you know, really good defensive plays. So that last kind of touchdown from ASU just sort of was like, 
um, aided along the way, I guess you could say. Uh, so they, I mean, they could have covered, but it wasn't the kind of dominant performance where you were, you know, you're instantly up by 28 points and then you, are you going to hang on for the cover? Um, so yeah, but I thought Arizona state came out and played pretty good early on and then sort of like regressed to the mean. And then you kind of saw the second half sort of like what we're probably going to see from Arizona state, uh, the rest of the season. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit encouraging sign for, for Sun Devil fans. You saw some, you know, you saw some stuff happening out there, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really bullish on this Arizona state team. I, I think it's going to be tough to stay up for an entire game. I thought they looked up for the first half of this game. A lot of guys from Southern California coming back to the Coliseum, you get a little bump from that, you know, I don't know if you're going to get a bump from that when you're going to play Stanford. Right. So we'll see, but you know, little encouraging signs from Arizona state, but you know, it, it ends up being a blowout either way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this USC was eight of nine on third down. 88.8%. That's the best third down conversion percentage by a Pac-12 team on record. Um, so I didn't even realize that, but no one's ever done that before, I guess, apparently. 88.8%. Um, and then Arizona State, this is their first time starting one or four, one and four or worse since way back in 1976. So setting some records at the bottom Boy, of the Pac-12 conference. Like crazy, crazy uh, how bad this conference is. Okay. We have our, we're talking about uh, number nine team, uh, Arizona. We're going to talk about our number eight team. The California Golden Bears. Wow. And they took on our number six team. The Washington State Cougars. What should I do? You tell me. Uh, let's give them a growl. growl. I'll growl them. Yeah. Um, four, and one, four and one for the Cougs. And, you know, could they be higher than six? Potentially. But, uh, Cal scored 40 more points than this the previous week. Uh, Washington State won 28 to nine. Um, Cal was kind of hanging in it in the first half, um, but everything was just easier for Washington State's offense in this game uh, than it was for Cal. Uh, Cam Cam Ward threw a couple of picks, but I thought he was pretty sharp throughout most of the game, um, and. Uh, the defense just completely stifled really any any red zone opportunities Cal had. Um, and early on, it was just dominance. Um, just the first, uh, what, three drives of the game netted a combined 24 yards for Cal. Um, just uh, real dominance on the uh, on the defensive side. And, uh, you know, you hold anybody to nine points, uh, you're you're. Unless you're Iowa, you're going to win the football game. Um, And, uh, you know, Cam Ward was fine. Their offense was fine, and they were going up against a pretty good defense. Um, And if they hadn't thrown a couple of picks, it probably would have been a lot worse. Yeah, Because one of those those came on the Cal 29, and the other one came on the Cal 21. Um, This this could have been a monumental blowout. Yeah, to go from, you know, 40 points less from one week to the other. And uh, we both got this wrong. Washington State was favored by only four. And, uh, you know, Cal scored 49 and then nine. Just absolutely crazy. Um, it's a, I mean, being on the road, no Pac-12 team won on the road in week five. So that's kind of crazy. Cal certainly did not look as good as they did. You know, I kind of thought this is what Cal would be. Like, they're not terrible. They can win one week and they look really good last week. And then they look like crap uh, this week. They're one and nine in their last 10 true road games. So not really good. You know, we talk about Oregon State's trouble on the road. Cal's been bad on the road, too. Season low in points for sure. 
And it's the third time since the start of the season that they've been held under uh, 10 points. Um, twice they did it against Washington State. So in this in this latest era. So I don't know. And, and Washington State, seven straight wins against unranked Pac-12 opponents. So they're doing Washington State's doing some stuff right. You know, they are. Yes, they cooped it against Oregon. And yes, this could have been like a, a huge deal. Uh, this coming week, if you had two undefeated teams, but um, you know, I think they're going to get things right, and uh, you know, we'll see how they play on the road this week. But you know, taking care of business at home, really putting a beat down on Cal. Uh, I think it's a really nice win for the Cougs and Jake Dicker. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, let's go to our number seven team, the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> And we have our number one team, the Utah Utes. Um, yeah, so this one was a blowout. Um, I do want to uh, I do want to throw some caveats out there. Uh, Oregon State was able to run the ball, was able to move the ball just generally. Um, even playing like, I don't know, approximately 15 different quarterbacks. Um, there was Chance Nolan. Uh, threw a couple of picks himself, uh, and then Ben Gobranson came in. Uh, he threw a couple of picks, uh, but even still, they were moving the ball between the twenties. It's just those pesky final twenty yards, Ryan. You know those ones? The, the uh, what is it? It's like an orange zone, or a, yeah, it's or, something like that. Um, yeah, getting it, getting it through those into the end zone proved to be challenging for Oregon State. Uh, but they were moving the ball, and I think that's a that's just something to to note is that Oregon State is maybe the first opponent Utah's played this year that has a good offense, and they were able to move the ball. Um, the other teams they played, Florida's turned out to have not really a very good offense generally, but certainly not a quarterback. Southern Utah is a bad FCS. San Diego State never has an offense. ASU is trash. Oregon State, first team with real offense, and they move the ball okay. So Utah's defense, eh, we'll see. Uh, but Utah's offense, uh, Cam Risen's really good at football. I think he's a good player. That's what I'm going to say. I know I'm going out on a limb there, but I'm going to say it. He's a good player. Good, good football player. You got to take chances sometimes. Just yeah, you got to take put chances. Put yourself out there. Yeah, you got to throw it out there. Um, completed all but six of his passes, three touchdowns. Uh, ran the ball really well. Seven carries for 73 yards and a touchdown. Um, their offense is the strength of the team right now, uh, which is a weird thing to say about Utah, but um, something that needs to be said. Uh, and even without Brent Keithy, uh, who's I think out for the year now, uh, Devon Vele, 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 Veal. What do we want to go with? <laughs> uh, I like Veal. <laughs> All right, Devon Veal. Uh, he looks like, uh, he looks like a player. Um, so uh, I, you know, for one game at least, they replaced um, Keithy's production at the very least. Um, with a receiver. So anyway, um, they beat him by 26 points. I got this one right. Ryan got it very wrong uh, because he has no feel for this. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State did not play well on the road, something we've kind of known for a while. But, you know, the Beavs were getting seven yards of play. Like, this is an offense that was moving the ball. Like you said, they were not scoring. The, I think, they, you know, with the, the way they were able to move the ball, they should have definitely had more points. Um, you got to figure out something at the quarterback spot for the Beavs. Uh, one of the bright spots for Oregon State, I didn't even realize he was on the roster, but um, one of their leading receivers in this game was Clark Phillips. Uh, he had a touchdown, you know, just three catches, but I thought he did a really good, nice job, you know, catching the ball from Oregon State 
receive I mean quarterbacks. <laughs> of course, he's a Utah defensive back. Uh, three interceptions for Clark Phillips the third. Like pretty ridiculous. He had a pick six. It's his third career pick six. Uh, it's the first Pac-12 player with three interceptions in a game since Cal did it. Uh, Jalen Hawkins against TCU and that cheese it bowl that we love so much in 2018. <laughs> uh, Oregon State is one in 17 in road games versus ranked opponents in the Pac-12 era. So not very good when they go on the road, play somebody ranked. Um, and it's the first time on record throwing at least four interceptions in consecutive games. Cause if you remember, they threw four picks against USC last week. So four picks, two weeks in a row, you're, it's probably going to be hard, uh, to win games at home. They had a shot. They could have still, well, and, uh, but I think the the against Utah, you're not winning. The important thing to, um, to acknowledge, I think for you is that you were just 17 points for Utah away from, from having this one dead on. So close. Yeah, just 17 points. Four picks again. You didn't expect that, right? They moved the ball well. Like, what's uh-huh. the expected? Like when they when they score when they move the ball that well. If you look at your advanced stats, like the expected. Oh result. yeah, uh, Utah got lucky. Like the uh, the the amount of interceptions was probably outsized. Probably should have been more like two, not four, given how many balls they got their hands on. Um, but still. I got yeah. this right. You got it wrong. You, you did. Well, now we're tied. So you, you finally uh, finally caught up. So we'll, uh-huh. no, we're, But we're both well uh-huh. 500, which is nice. I like that. Um, we have one last game to preview. Our number five team. The Washington Huskies. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Uh, they were on the road. The Rose Bowl taking on our number three the, team. The UCLA Bruins. Rawr. Um, UCLA beat that ass. I'm sorry to say they, 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 UCLA's good. Did you jinx? Did you jinx your boy, Michael Penix? I may have jinxed the Penix, um, because I talked him up hardcore going into the game and then he, um, you also have the shirt. Yeah. uh, Well, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you tweeted out, I did tweet it out. Penix Penix energy. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I did any did him any favors because so his stat line, you're going to look at it and be like, what is Dave talking about? He wasn't good in this game. Um, the first half, especially, he looked really shaky, much less accurate than we've seen from him before. Um, I think this game, um, UCLA's pass rush did cause him some trouble. And it wasn't so much the sacks. Uh, I think they only had two. It was they were just kind of constantly there. Um, and he wasn't getting fully into his throws. He wasn't able to step through. He wasn't able to fully wind up. Like there was just a lot of stuff going on. I think he was feeling it a little bit. Um, but he wasn't, he, he just wasn't as sharp as he typically is. Um, and UCLA did have a lot to do with it, but, um, I don't think, I think he's going to play better than that. Um, even against teams that have a decent pass rush, um, just not a great game for him. Um, but UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson was the clear quarterback of the game, um, clear player of the game. Uh, he was a freak show. Um, so there were uh, made a lot of throws, good throws. He's not like challenging defenses deep too much, so it's not those spectacular things. But just what he's doing from a command of the offense, from a vision standpoint, from a timing and accuracy, it's it's uh, it's another level for him that he hasn't reached before. Um and then he's also still doing the like 
freaky, arrogant athlete stuff, which is always, you know, kind of demoralizing if you're on the opposing side and you probably hate Dorian Thompson Robinson afterwards. But he hurdled the guy. Um, he made two dudes run into each other like they were extras in a Jackie Chan movie uh, <laughs> while he was walking into the end zone. It was a good hurdle. Yeah, uh, he um, he he broke up a potential pick himself. Like he he threw it. It was tipped by the defensive tackle. The defensive tackle then brought it in. And Dorian Thompson Robinson went shoulder first right into the ball, knocked it out. Uh, he should get a PBU and potentially targeting. Um he was doing lead blocking stuff. Like he was just all over the place. He was incredible. Um, ran the ball really well, threw the ball really well. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was really good again, uh, especially in the second half when uh, UCLA wanted to lean on the ground game a little bit more and start chewing up some clock. He was really good. 22 carries for 124 yards. Um, Thompson Robinson's main weapon was Jake Bobo, who had his first real breakout game for the Bruins since coming over from Duke uh, as a transfer couple of touchdowns, six catches for 142 yards. Um, Washington sort of made this look respectable late, um, 16 points in the fourth quarter. UCLA gone kind of prevent defense, and um, Washington had to chew up. It was like 11 or 12 minutes to uh, score those 16 points. The real issue was UCLA stopped scoring. Um, I, I think they were eh, just maybe not maybe trying to a little too much to eat up the clock, but this was a, this was a 40 to 16 game going into the fourth quarter. It was uh, a pretty dominant showing from UCLA. I'll say this about Kalen DeBoer. I wasn't super stoked with his game management in this one. Um, He went for two early um, to go. So that was where it was. I think it was 33, uh, 15 after the touchdown, and he went for two to make it a. Was that it? No, it was sorry, 33 16 after a touchdown, and he went for two to make it 33 18 if he could, and he didn't get it, and so it was still 33 16. I don't understand the point of that um, because UCLA was still scoring um, and still obviously moving the ball really well. Yeah, I don't think you can get into that like end game math at that point um, because there's way too many variables when you're that many scores away. If you're within one score, I like it because then you can know what you need to get. But even then, I, I probably wouldn't start doing that in the third quarter. Um, that was weird. And then his his end game decision um, when UCLA had the ball with about four minutes to go um, on their final drive, he starts calling his timeouts. I thought a full series too early. Um, he, he basically starts spending them on UCLA's first set of downs on their drive. And they got they got significant yardage on first down. I think it was like four or five yards. I would have just let UCLA, you know, get to the next set of downs and then start spending your timeouts if you have to. Uh, but he basically made it so that I think it was like three minutes, three, three and a half minutes left in the game. That play was the game right there. Um, so I, I thought it was mismanaged to an extent by DeBoer. Um, but UCLA more or less blew this team out. Yeah. And, I, you know, Chip Kelly, uh, very NFL style. Like it, now that the preseason's over, he's starting to play with starters throughout the game, which is nice. You know, it's good to see. Uh, end of a you know a blowout. You're you know you're not like really putting your uh, keeping your foot on the gas. It's very NFL. That's an NFL feel to it. But um, yeah, like this was something that uh, it doesn't seem like UCLA and Chip Kelly put a lot of emphasis on those early games. It's more about hey, what are you going to do in the Pac-12? And this was a lot of hype in this game. Washington was the ranked team, even though UCLA was undefeated. 
Uh, I thought it was another just like road struggle for a Pac-12 team. A lot of penalties for Washington. And just it's one of those things where you look out of sorts, where you, there's a lot of comfort when you're playing at home. And that's where Washington's been. You go on the road and just something you're sleeping in a different bed, whatever it is. There's there's something just seemed like off early on. And, you know, later in the game and, you know, maybe it's it's not, you know, maybe some of it's on UCLA, too. But Washington looked more. You know, kind of in sick. They looked more like the team that we saw coming in. But when it mattered, they just didn't look like that. So um, Washington had covered every game uh, until this one. We both got this one wrong. And UCLA's first 5-0 start uh, and first 2-0 start in the Pac-12 since 2013. Uh, also, the eighth straight win, the longest win streak since 2005. So Chip Kelly's doing something right. I know we joke about it, but they're, you know, this is. Not bad. It also snaps a four-game losing streak against top 25 Pac-12 teams. So this was a big win for UCLA. Kind of got the Friday night stuff going. Um, You know, we joke about extensions, all this stuff. But this was one you just looked at. You're like, yeah, the way Washington's playing, this is going to be a tough one for the Bruins. But it wasn't tough. And uh, they were really good. Um, So we'll see how they keep that going. But this was a a big win. We, You know, our top three teams, I think you could have put anybody anywhere, right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we're giving we're giving Utah some credit for how they've bounced back, um, and you know, still you know, eyeballing them, they still look complete in a way. Like they've got Utah has a good defense. I don't know if it's rising to the level of like defenses they've had in the past, um, and a very good offense. USC has a very good offense. I still think a very questionable defense, and I think the same is more or less true for UCLA. We know it's a very very good offense. The defense has held up pretty well so far, but I, I still have some questions. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we go into our— And for that matter, actually, Oregon, too. Um, you could probably put Oregon into that mix as well. They also, like USC and UCLA, have a great offense, just question marks on defense. Yeah. Well, let's get into our week six picks because we've got a lot of questions to get to. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's start off. We've got number 11, Utah, going on the road, taking on number 18, UCLA. Ranked on ranked, ranked UCLA. Uh, 12.30 p.m., Big Fox at the Rose Bowl. There's nothing better than the Rose Bowl at 12.30. You know, it's just you know big-time game, two ranked teams. Got to love it. Uh, Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, this one's crazy to me. I, so if you gave me this preseason— um, and threw out the fact that UCLA is ranked 18th. This is what I would have predicted. I would have predicted UCLA at 5-0 and at this point because I didn't think Washington was any good. But I would have thought 5-0 and complete paper tiger um, because of the schedule. I thought Washington was going to be rebuilding. I knew Colorado was trash. And I knew the preseason, those three teams were you know not expected to be very good. Now the perspective shifts a little bit because South Alabama is turning out to be a pretty damn good sunbelt. They'll probably finish top three in that league. Uh, Colorado's still trash, but Washington turned out to be good. And UCLA, you know, as we just talked about, beat that ass. Utah has done basically what I expected them to do. So you would think I would go into this game and say, oh, yeah, Utah's going to win considerably. I'm taking the Bruins, baby. UCLA plus three and a half. Uh, Maybe it's the half point that does it for me. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to take UCLA to win. I'm still writing my preview. Um, but three and a half, that's that's a half point too many for what this game looks like to me. Interesting. All right. Um, I could see UCLA coming out and getting like a 10 point win in this game for sure. But I just 
my gut feeling is going with Utah coming in. They're not going to have like the early game struggles that we saw from Washington. I don't think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Like you mentioned, Cam Rising has been playing at a really high level. Um, so, you know, if it was a like a six point spread or something, I think I'd take the Bruins. But when you're, you know, hanging around the field goal and that, that, that hook with a three and a half might be might be the killer. But uh, I'll, I'll take the Utes in this one. I think they're going to get it done when by like a touchdown or something. All right. Well, I mean, I'll just say the last time they went into an environment as hostile as the Rose Bowl in front of the screaming 41,000, uh, they got they got they got beat That's Florida true. in the swamp. the swamp. You don't I, just come into the Rose Bowl in front of the screaming 40,000 and say, oh, yeah, this is no big deal. <laughs> Utah might bring a bunch of bunch of dudes like they might bring some fans. They'll be outnumbered, you know, one point five to one. <laughs> In it's probably as easy to get from Salt Lake City to Pasadena as it's from Westwood, right? Like, it's pretty similar. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> All right. We got another ranked team. The number 21 Washington Huskies on the road at Arizona State Sun Devils. This is 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Um, four and one Washington, number 21, taking on one and four Arizona State. Washington's a two touchdown favorite, 14 points. Um you might have to update these because I haven't updated the spreads if they changed at all on our list. So just FYI. I got you. Um, yeah. um, anyway, uh, Washington is um, 14 point favorite. I think it's kind of a get right game for them. And I think Arizona State kind of shot its wad in the first half last week. So I'm taking Washington State to cover the two touchdowns. Uh, Washington, not Washington. Washington. Why do I keep doing that? I've done that. Oh, it's because they're right below. Uh, never mind. It's right below. It's not, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at reading. Uh, Washington to cover. I will too. Uh, if this was like a 21 point spread, I could see like Arizona state being a little frisky at home, but I, I think it's a Washington get right game. Um, you know, winning by like 17 or something. If they, you know, I think they could be okay and win by like 17, uh, but they could get it right and win by like 28, you know? So and this could keep our streak going of never picking an ASU game correctly. Are we, have we never got it? I think we've been picking them wrong basically every week. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we gave them too much credit early on and then not enough later. But we'll, we both uh, picked yeah. them to cover against Utah. Uh, we both picked both picked them to cover against Eastern Michigan. And OK, we got right against Oklahoma State. And yeah, we that's picked, the only one we, we got we right. Oklahoma Northern State. Arizona. The only one we've gotten right so far is Oklahoma State. Yeah, we we we've been in lockstep with Arizona State and been completely wrong. So, uh, but I, I like I like I like the Huskies to cover this one on the road. Yep. Okay, we got the aforementioned Washington State Cougars uh, on the road taking on the number six USC Trojans. This is a four thirty on Big Fox in the Coliseum. Four and one Washington State against five and zero USC. USC is the thirteen point favorite. Um, no idea. No feel. None whatsoever. Uh, Washington State. Here's the thing about Washington State. Are they are they the Herm Edwards team this year? Because aside from like Colorado. It's well, close. yeah, they just play close games like even Oregon. Like they, they were getting their ass beat in that game and they only lost by three. Um, like the stats said they should have lost that by like 15. It's a road game. And this team's and uh, one thing to keep in mind is Wisconsin's turning out to be pretty bad. They fired their coach. Yeah, they're bad. God, but 13 points feels too few. But 
I'll take Washington State. All right. I was going to, I actually was going to pick Washington State. I think I'll take USC. So I've, I've picked USC to cover every game. They went 3 and 0 to start, and they haven't covered their last two. I, I could easily see Washington State making this close. Um, but I will take, if it was, I think 14 or more, I feel like it could, you know, USC can win by two touchdowns. So I'll take USC. If I go 0 and 3, their last, you know, three covers, then I'll probably be changing my, tune but i feel like you know this is a team that's going to cover more than not uh and uh, this will be kind of like the they'll either be 500 against the spread or four and two against the spread so i'm gonna i'm gonna say they go four and two against the spread and they they get it done against washington state all right you got that one wrong so we have two or not wrong we have two uh that we are differing on so that's good uh number 12 oregon on the road taking on arizona yeah. All right. So this is 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Number 12, Oregon, 4-1 and one against Arizona on the road, 3-2. and two. Oregon's, again, a 13-point favorite, and I just hate that number for so many reasons. Um, I think Oregon's going to win, and I think they're going to win pretty comfortably because their run game is very good, and Arizona's run game uh, run defense doesn't exist. Um and I just I have more confidence in Oregon's ability to stick to the run and power through Arizona uh, than I do Arizona and Jaden Delora because you never know with Jaden Delora whether 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 he's going to be too amped up for a game and suddenly throws like seven picks like he did against Mississippi State, which I think is the analog for this game. So give me Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon too. I think they kind of get it done on the road. Man, I don't like these teams. Me, me picking teams to cover on the road. No. Uh, it's been it's been bad. Like road teams have been bad in the Pac-12. So we'll see. I haven't learned my lesson. So if these don't if this doesn't happen, you're like, yeah, don't worry about this road stuff. Um, but yes, I will take uh, the Ducks as well. I think Arizona will keep it, you know, be like a feisty team. But I think at the end, uh, you know, Ducks end up pulling away, win by like 17 or something like that. Yep. Last one, because we have two bye weeks uh, this week. Cal and Colorado are both on byes, but we now have Oregon State at Stanford. This is 8 p.m. on ESPN, 3-2 and two Oregon State going on the road. Dig on Stanford at 1-3. and three. Oregon State is a seven-point road favorite. The quarterback instability at Oregon State is going to force me to pick Stanford plus seven right here um, because I just don't know what the hell Oregon State's going to be running out there. If they're going to be running out quarterback situations, it's going to keep throwing picks to the other team. Um, so I'm going to take Stanford plus the points. I still think Oregon State wins. It's just a touchdown when I don't even know who your quarterback is is too many. Wow. Um, I don't know if you remember, but Stanford's really terrible. So I'm going to take Oregon State. How's Oregon State been doing on the road? Uh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I assume they could practice against like tackling dummies on the road. And that's pretty much what you're going to get at Stanford. So yeah, give me the beeves. I've been right. very, I've been very optimistic on the beeves. And it's, so we're different on three, three of the five. Damn. Okay. So one way or another, we're going to end up with a, a, a breakup of our tie at the top. Yes. We will not be tied any longer, but like I said, we're 26, 19 and one against the spread. So pretty, pretty good. And, uh, We'll see how we do this week. A lot of different different uh, picks. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer your questions. 
All right, we're back here on the POC. We have a lot of questions. Should we try to rapid fire these, you think? Let's crush it. Let's crush it. Okay, we have a text message. I think this is our first one. Dave, question for you. Is it really necessary to continue to pronounce his name as Penix? I have too am offended and find it sexist in nature. It's just downright disrespectful. In fact, it's so bad that there's a drive to keep deep left field by Castanellos, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Thanks. You don't you don't get the reference. I don't get the reference. TK in Orange right. County. So it's uh, I'm going to reread it. In fact, it's so bad. And there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Um, this was the guy who uh, said some um, uh, uh, homophobic stuff during a baseball game on a live mic. And he was one of, I think it was um, Tom Brenneman, maybe. And he then realizes during the commercial break that he was on a live mic. And then during the next half inning, he gives this apology while the game is ongoing. And while he's giving the apology, <laughs> he has to call the game, too. And so there's a home run that happens while he is saying, you know, I'm a I'm a family man. I, I you know, I have lots of gay friends, you know, like the whole thing. Um, and then and there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah, love um, it. Thank you, TK. Thanks, TK. And to be fair, for anyone that was actually complaining. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Michael Penix gets money for selling those big Penix energy shirts. Like he's getting an NIL deal for that. Both, both his mother and his father liked my tweet of me with the picture of my big Penix yeah. energy. He's, he's, he's fine. Profiting he's fine. Off and, of this. and let me tell you, uh, he's a 23 year old. Been, he, he's been, he's been hearing this his entire life. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We're all okay. Um, all right. This is from Sean. Uh, sorry, guys. After a few times, I stopped listening to your show. It's way too much L.A. bias. I know you cover all the games slash teams, but the bias and emphasis on your L.A. schools is obvious. 
Additionally, I'm actually thrilled that the L.A. schools are leaving. It just has never been cool in my book for so many of the Pac-12 programs to be whipping boys to the L.A. schools for so long. Too many advantages built in, not a level playing field. Not complaining, it is what it is, but I'd way rather see more parity. Good luck in the Big Ten. We'll be just fine with what's left of the pack, Sean. Okay, first, this would have been a much... Yeah, no, this is serious. This should have been an iTunes review. Yes. Okay, that's where these go. Second, uh, this is the most I'm not mad, I'm actually laughing, and I'm actually happy about this situation I've ever read. Second, third, whatever number I'm on... uh, we cover the L.A. teams. So, like, I, I, you know, I cover UCLA. Ryan covers USC. We're not going to cover your teams as well as your team site guys do. It's just not going to happen. However, uh, we both hate our programs. Um, and uh, some more than others. Me, probably more than him. So uh, if there's a bias, it's uh, just me talking about how much I hate UCLA half the time uh, because of the quality of the football program. I would say listen to all our shows from previous years. Like, we were trashing the programs we cover the programs we cover just happen to be undefeated right now so i mean yeah what are we supposed to do sean it's gonna be different but usa was four and eight last year i mean ucla won a whole bunch of games and dave was trashing them last year so yeah this is uh oh and and just you wait just you wait if you if utah if utah crushes on this weekend i'll be right back to it yeah i go homer dave for approximately i don't know one week every three years and it's the best when when Dave when he finally reluctantly after like just being prodded and pr- just goes Homer Dave it's usually a disaster like sooner like right away like it just as soon as he says you know what I think this team is good that's when they lose and it's a lot of fun so it's so much uh, fun for everyone involved stay for that uh, Hugh Janus has some uh, true false questions so let's go right, through these quick one DTR is the best quarterback in the Pac-12 true baby false baby. Two, DTR should be a serious Heisman candidate. True, baby. True, baby. There's a lot of candidates, and he should definitely be one. Three, UCLA will beat Utah this Saturday. Ooh, put me to it. Uh, uh, true, baby. False, baby. I, I'm in the week of Homer. I got to just embrace it. Right, right. That's why it comes crashing down uh, on Saturday. Four, USC is overrated as number six team in the polls. True, but mildly. I would say false just because everybody's flaw. like USC is not. Yeah. It's, it, if you're like comparing them to like everybody's Alabama and Georgia, they're not there, but I would have them as the, like, I was having, I would have them as like 12th, but it's whatever. It's but fine. who would be above? Like you look at the teams that would be above them. Like everybody is flawed. So I wouldn't say you're, you're, you're grading it on a curve of like, here's what the number six team should be. I don't think USC is what the number six, six team should be. But it is what the number six team is because that's what's in college football right now. Whatever. Okay, fine. Number Whatever five. rationalization you need. I do rationalize things. Uh, five. UCLA will win 10 games this year, including a bowl game. Uh, true. True, for sure. They extend Chip Kelly again. <laughs> Six. I've been trying to tell you boys for years that David Shaw is a crap coach and only rode Jim Harbaugh's coattails to some good seasons. Stanford sucks, and so does David Shaw. I don't think that's a true no, false thing. No, the the everything after the dot 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 Stanford sucks, and so does David Shaw. True. I say that true, but I yeah. think he did too much after Jim Harbaugh left that you could can't say it's his coattails. True. Uh, I like you could do true false there. Six. George Klyovkov has made some really disingenuous statements in an attempt to influence the UC Regents and to undermine UCLA's move to the Big Ten. True. I think true too. Eight, UC, USC. But I support him in doing so, and it's the only way for him to effectively do his job. So it's a, sure. it's a yin yang. 
Uh, eight, USC will lose two games this year. I would say true to that. True. To UC, to Utah and UCLA, I don't know. I, it's hard to know, so I'll go false. Yeah, I'll say false there, but I think they'll end up 10 and 2. That seems about right. Uh, nine, UCLA exposed Penix in the Rose Bowl last Saturday, and it's a good thing that Yankoff wasn't in the game. Otherwise, it would have been a real miss. True. True. Very true. Ten, ten, Dave should not and will not stop rhyming the Wisconsin, I'm sorry, the Washington quarterback's name with penis, as one listener suggested last week. I mean, absolutely true. Duh, true. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Go Bruins at FSC. Love Hugh Janus. All right. This is from Ethan and Huntington Beach. Extension. Hey, guys, love the show. I noticed on David's Pac-12 power rankings on Twitter, he had UCLA above USC. If that's the case, I feel it's only appropriate Chip Kelly should get a new contract that matches Lincoln Riley's or even exceeds it. I feel like Ryan agrees, but I'd like to hear David's opinion as well. Go Conference of Champions. Warmest regards, Ethan and Huntington Beach. God, I hate you people. I hate you people so much. So much. (laughs) Well, it's hard. Can't I just isolate in? Can't I just soak in a good week? I'm just trying to have a good, what day is it? Thursday. I'm just trying to have a good Thursday, Ethan. I'm not here to talk about the future. I'm not here to talk about the past. I am, like Chip Kelly, just trying to have a good Thursday. Yeah, well, he had a good Friday. We'll see if he has a good Saturday. But I think uh, Martin Jarman needs to do the right thing. And uh, full, full extension. I think that would be great. Love it. Um, I mean, obviously, UCLA has their guy going into the Big Ten, though. That's the what, that's what we know. We 100% know he's going to be facing a Big Ten schedule. It's going it, to, yeah. I mean, this is, we know this. This is good. Exactly the way you drew it up. So, perfectly. Uh, we got a text message from JJ. David, I think you missed the mark on Bill Walton. He has been involved with efforts to support the homeless problem for years through the Lucky Duck Foundation in San Diego. Coincidentally, uh, Lucky Duck was founded by former Oregon by former Oregon athletic director Pat Kilkenny, and they are close. Unlike many of Bill's antics, this is night. This is not hyperbolic. Uh, now back to football, and a few questions for both of you. True or false? We got more true or false. I'll bet. Do you want to comment on the Bill Walton thing? I don't know um, about the foundation. I just know his comments were pretty standard um, NIMBY shit, um, which is disappointing from a guy like Walton. But if he's, you know, people are complex. People have uh, obviously a lot of stuff. So uh, good for him if he's contributing to a foundation that's actually helping. Yeah, good good for him. Uh, Number one for the true or false, USC's defense is not as bad as everyone says. They make adjustments needed to win. Well, it depends on what everyone says. Yeah, is. exactly. Yeah. Because um, I would say their defense is probably a little bit above average. But I wouldn't say it's much better than that. Yeah, I think so that's fair. That's they about force, where I'd have them. They force a bunch of turnovers. They get a lot of tackles for loss. It seems to work well. And, they, you know, they give up like 17 or 24 points a game. So that's way better than what they were last year. So yeah, I'd say it's above average, but I don't know. Tough, tough to true or false that one. Yeah. Two, UCLA beats Washington. I'm sorry, UCLA beat Washington due to the Friday night travel curse. False, baby. They did it because the Bruins are back. Yeah, false. Extension. Uh, Three, Oregon State and Washington State are worth seven plus points at home instead of three. Uh, Yeah, at their home? there, there, you put so much into a true false thing. Like if you just say Oregon state or now you got to say Oregon state and Washington state. Like, yeah. So I got to say false. Sorry. I have to say false too. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, we really right. we really pick apart these people's questions. Um, all right, this is from Matt. Uh, some Chinese characters in the title. It's like some kanji stuff. Okay, yeah, I don't know. What Hang that on, means. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what if I can throw that. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can Google Translate. Hang on. Uh, let's see. De- yeah, detect my language. No, no, I don't want to. No. Overrated. Oh, nice. Nice. What is your guys' honest opinion on Caleb Williams' Heisman chances based on his play so far? I've seen a couple of Heisman lists this week with him on it, but still can't figure out the justification. He is fun to watch, but based on the stats, he isn't even the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I list where he ranks in passing and rushing for Pac-12 quarterbacks below, and except for interceptions, he doesn't lead a single category. In fact, he is behind or tied in multiple categories with the quarterback you both have stated is bad, Bo Nix. I would be tempted to rate Caleb as tied with Bo Nix for the fourth best Pac-12 quarterback behind DTR, Phoenix, and Cam Rising. Please help me understand, is it simply because he plays for USC and is undefeated? So the stats he lists, he's completion percentage, he's fifth in the league, passing yards fourth, average yards per completion second, passing TDs fifth, interceptions first, Passer rating third, rushing TDs fourth, rushing yards fourth. So I, I think if you're only going to look at stats, that's not what people do to vote for the Heisman. Um, I mean, they're undefeated. If you watch him play, he makes he turns sacks into first downs, you know, sure. sacks. So there's a lot of stuff that aren't in statistics that you would look at i mean he was could have been sacked for a safety and threw a jump pass out of his own end zone to jordan addison and they get a first down out of it um i mean so many times he was dead to rights and he breaks away and he's in the you know category wise he's doing pretty well in all of these i don't know there's going to be some people you know there's going to be some like a bo nicks that'll have more interceptions or you know they'll be I think there's other categories like that. But if you're just looking at stats and saying, here's what it should be, um, I don't think anyone that watches college football would say he's the fourth best quarterback in the Pac-12. But I don't know what you think. Um, Yeah, I don't think he's that. I think he's – I would probably take him over Bo Nix. And I would – who else did he list here? Uh, Penix. Penix. I'd probably take him over Penix right now. Yeah. After seeing Phoenix on the road um, against a pass rush, I'd probably take Caleb Williams. One thing that gets lost when you're looking at Caleb Williams is his offensive line is fine. Uh, it's not awesome. And he gets under pressure quite a bit. Uh, but he has that kind of body where it sort of reminds me of um, a little bit of Brett Hundley at UCLA, where he can shrug off tacklers, um, which is a that's almost an NFL quality where guys can just, um, unless you really, really nail him he's not going to go down easily uh with a sack um and that can lead to problems like it can lead to quarterbacks trying to do too much um but it's one of those things that doesn't show up as much he doesn't create a ton of negative plays himself um and so without that um you know uh, it's very very obvious thing to say but there's a lot more positive plays to be created um that said um uh, Ryan poo-pooed my Dorian Thompson Robinson thing. Um, no, he could be, you could, you could argue he could be number one. Um, I think I, I would this, say it's those two right now. Yeah. I think right now it's those two with a big shout out to cam rising. Who's been really good too. I would say it's those three actually. Um, yeah. Cam rising has been very good. Um, he's not the um, athlete that either of those guys are, but he's not, he's not a bad athlete by any means. And he runs pretty well. Um, so 
I think it's a conversation between those three. Yeah, it just has a feel to it. We're like, oh, uh, you know, well, this team got like a point three better uh, rating than um, uh, than uh, what's it called? That you know, than what we were seeing, you know, on the TV ratings and stuff. So we're, they they should be they should go to the Big Ten. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at what Dorian and Caleb have done, it's actually pretty similar. So this year, right now, uh, Dorian's at 9.9 yards per attempt with 11 touchdowns and one interception. Caleb Williams is at 10 yards per attempt, so 0.1 more, with 12 touchdowns and one interception. Um, Dorian's completed a lot more balls. He's at 74%. I'm sure Caleb Williams is throwing more downfield. Um, as runners, um, Caleb's been effective at... 44 attempts for 144 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Thompson Robinson's been better. 31 carries for 223 yards and three touchdowns. So pretty similar profiles, honestly. Yeah. All right. Ryan is trapped under something heavy for the remainder of the show. So I am going to wrap up your questions. Um, This is from Tom in the Cayman Islands. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Did you know that approximately 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated? I certainly didn't. But I can assure you ASU's Nesta Silvera was well aware of this fact. This young man took the time to ensure Caleb Williams was properly hydrated during the ASU-USC game Saturday night. I tip my USC hat to this young man for displaying the true collegiate spirit that should embody what it means to play in the Conference of Champions. Tom in the Cayman Islands. Tom, you're dead right. You are totally correct. Um, I thought it was a really sweet uh, moment of good sportsmanship when the ASU sideline generously provided Caleb Williams with water um, when he so sorely needed it. Uh, I thought it was uh, really heartwarming. And frankly, I do not understand um, all the consternation about this on Twitter. Uh, It was just uh, it was a good good moment of uh, sportsmanship across enemy lines. Uh, I got another fun one for you. Uh, sort of a text message from somewhere in Portland. If JT Daniels had been the QB for the Beavs this season, what do you think their record would be? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Probably four and one. I think they probably beat USC if they're not throwing like 16 picks in that game. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. All right, uh, Alex and Arcadia, quickly, your top three Pac-12 quarterbacks. We just went through that, but I would go Thompson Robinson, Caleb Williams, and Cam Rising. And was DTR there before this week? Why, why not? Um, For me, maybe, probably not. Um, I thought Phoenix was better. Um, I would have taken Caleb Williams over him um, and Cam Rising, so not quite there, but knocking on the door. Uh, this game this past week, I mean, I, I, I think it really was a, um, a, uh, bit of a watershed moment for, uh, Thompson Robinson. Uh, the decision-making was just so much faster. Uh, he was seeing the field at such a better level and, um, just, you can see his processing time has gotten to the point where he's making all the throws on time. Um, there's no delay. There's no, uh, he's, he's reached that kind of fifth year quarterback level. And it was obvious in this past game. This is from Frank in Sacramento. Troubling question for Ryan. Ryan, on your USC podcast this week, I was mortified when you disrespected the towel guys who go crazy on the sidelines after positive plays during USC games. Not so fast. Did you hear that super reporter Tom Rinaldi is in LA right now doing a sad and poignant feature on the tragedy of the head towel guy? Apparently there were no clean towels available when he was born. Will you feel regretful in a few weeks as this segment runs when college game day comes to USC? Or maybe Rinaldi is with Big Noon Cookoff these days? Frank in Sacramento. Uh, Yeah, the towel guys are these weirdos who are, like, waving towels on the sideline. Uh, The true towel guy in L.A., as everyone knows, is Ed Kazarian, uh, the towel waver at UCLA. 
uh, who is also um, the uh, has the highest winning percentage of any UCLA head coach of all time, having gone one and zero as the head coach for an interim uh, at the bowl game uh, in 2004, 2005, 2003, 2002. Who knows? One of those years. He was uh, he was the interim coach and he won. All right, this is from Ross. Uh, you're the boss. Hey guys, if you're the AD at ASU in Colorado, who's your first call to be the new head coach? Thanks, Ross. Um, ASU, I think, can shoot for the normal range of coaches. At Colorado, I don't know. Um, I keep messing around saying they should go triple option or something weird. Um, see if there's an air raid guy you can go get. Um, just see if there's something that you can get that will give you an offensive differentiator. Um, like, look at the stuff that Washington State has done over the years and maybe adapt to that. Um Colorado just unfortunately does not have a huge talent base at this point. Um, without the Big 12 connections, it probably doesn't recruit Texas as well as it used to. So I think you have to have some scheme differentiation, um, and that needs to come from your head coach. So that's the range I'd be looking at. For ASU, I mean, ASU can go get a good coach. ASU is a pretty good job. Um, you know, the Phoenix area. Um, you have the potential to recruit Southern California pretty well. Um, you have the potential to recruit at least as well as Jed Fish is doing at Arizona. Um, and ASU can probably do a hair better than that if um, if they've got the right head coach. So I think you can pitch that job to a lot of guys. Um, I would stop aiming at, um, you know, uh, I don't know, Texas so much. Um, I think that's what they were doing with, like, Todd Graham. Um, I would, you know, try to find somebody who can, you know, use some Southern California connections um, and recruit there. Because I still think there is enough talent in Southern California to fuel another uh, program, as well as UCLA and USC. And I think ASU could have an avenue towards that, especially with the Big Ten move for USC and UCLA. There might be some guys who just want to stay in a West Coast league. Um, and for now, ASU is part of one. So I think there's room to hire somebody good. I don't know who that is at this point, but I don't think you need to like limit yourself in the way that Colorado might, where they need to get a great scheme guy. I think ASU could get a rah-rah guy who's a really good motivator, who's a good recruiter, who loads the, like, essentially a Jed Fish type, um, maybe, and one who's probably more accomplished coming into the job, who can just recruit the hell out of the job. Because I think that's what they've been missing, is somebody who's really, really going to go balls to the wall recruiting. I think Herm Edwards did it to an extent, getting Antonio Pierce, but I think you could um, go even a step above that, and a head coach with a little bit more of a pulse than Herm Edwards had. All right, next up, uh, this is from Ernesto. Hey, guys, uh, UCLA Basketball School. We all know UCLA is a basketball school, according to Ryan, so we aren't used to seeing a 5-0 UCLA football team. Do you see fans happy with Chip, and will the school retain him for another 10 years, keep up the great work? Um, God, I mean, I think if he has a really good year, he's safe, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's going to turn into really happy if next year it's a 5-7 and team, which there's real potential it might be. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, if he has a really good year, I, I don't see why they wouldn't retain him after this season. All right, next up, another Ernesto. ASU in Colorado. I know you're starting for more questions, so here we go. Uh, it's a head coach question about ASU in Colorado, and uh, yeah, I already answered that one. Um, and then this is from John or Jay in NYC. Last week, you guys declined to read my email. Yes, the email is too long and not funny. Who cares? That's not the point. The pre-June 30th Ryan and Dave I know would have angrily stumbled through the email, cursing it along the way, but still doing it. You both have changed. 
None of us write you because we actually have questions. We just like hearing you read our dumb thoughts on a podcast. Love the show, and since hard, sarcasm is hard to get when written, please don't take this seriously. I would never, Jay. I love you. All right, this is from Perk. It's a voicemail. I'm going to try to suss out what he's saying. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. I was wondering, you know, kind of with some of the trouble that Jimbo Fisher's in and kind of with his contract extension, how bad it would be to buy for the text A&M. And I can think of, I guess, Scott Frost also comes to mind, Nebraska. And there's some other, there's some college basketball coach that have the issue. I was wondering if you guys were athletic directors, how would you guys approach when you should give a coach a contract extension? You know, kind of how long, how much what they would have do for you to kind of grant to that to them? Because it seems like every year there's at least one football coach that gets an extension for doing exactly what he should be doing, not really going above and beyond expectations. And so it's kind of wondering how you guys would approach that, supposed to how a lot of athletic directors currently do. Thanks, guys. Uh, yes, Perk, sorry about that. I was reading the transcript provided by Google Voice. Um, I think you're asking about contract extensions. Um, and uh, yeah, they're all very stupid. We pay coaches too much. Uh, they're all glorified gym coaches. Um, they're PE teachers. Uh, they should be paid, um, you know, livable wages. That's about it. Um, but we glorify them. They're like our generals. Um, so they get more money than they should. Uh, athletic directors have to do it because they're keeping up with the Joneses, but I don't know who the first Jones was, uh, but he was very stupid for giving them way too much money. There you go. All right, well, that's it for us. Uh, For Ryan, I'm Dave. Uh, This is the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you again next time. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.